This is Chapter 8 in a series of media resources accompanying the Starting Point Conversation Guide. Why Did Jesus Die is a message delivered at North Point Community Church by Andy Stanley. The Bible says that Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. But why is this the case? Why couldn't God just forgive us? Listen as Andy tackles this tough question at the heart of the Christian faith. The question for the morning, why, why did Jesus have to die? Uh, why, why couldn't he do what, what all of us do every single day of our lives and look at the people who offended him or who robbed his glory from him or who broke the rules or who sinned or whatever? Why couldn't he look at them and just say, I forgive you? I mean, I forgive people all the time, you forgive people all the time, and I don't have to die for them to forgive them, right? And you've never died for anyone to forgive them, but people have hurt you deeply, and you've gone through the grieving process, and many of you have gone through, you know, years of counseling in some cases, and we come at the, to the end of that process and we say, you know, this person has hurt me, and they've, they've robbed me of, of, of my reputation, they've robbed me of a first marriage, they've robbed me of my child, they've, you know, people rob us, and we finally come to the place in our lives where we say, I just have to let go of that. And I just have to forgive. And if that person wants to have a relationship with me, I'm open to reestablishing some sort of relationship with them. And all of us in this room have relationships with people who've hurt us deeply because we've learned how to forgive. Now, this uh, this question is one, if if I'm real honest, that really bothered me for a long time. I've been a Christian since I was a kid, but um, as an adult, um, it really intrigued me. Why did Jesus have to die? And the reason was, I, I know the Sunday school answer. Now, because I was raised in church, the Sunday school answer is Jesus had to die because um, he had to pay for our sins. And when we sinned, we, uh, in a sense, robbed God of his glory. And so somebody had to pay for our sins. So Jesus died and paid for our sins. And then we asked Jesus in our heart and he forgives us and everybody gets to go to heaven. I mean, that's sort of the Sunday school answer. But, it, it, but if you're going to be intellectually honest, you have to ask this question. What kind of God would come up with a system that required that of his son? And in other words, he's God. God can do anything he wants to. And suddenly as Christians, we sort of have God locked in a box. And God's sort of a, a, a victim of his own making because he's come up with this system where, you know, sin means death and somebody's got to die for our sins and he loves us so much he wants to have a relationship with us. So somebody has to die. And I don't know how it happened, so I'm making this part up. But, you know, he's looking around heaven he's going, Jesus, I got it. You'll go, to, you know, and Jesus is going, do you have another plan? You know, is there another way around this? You know, we don't know how that happened. But why is it that suddenly um, we find God locked in a system where, where the only way to, to forgive us is for somebody to have to die? I mean, who made all that up? And if he's God, why can't he change the rules and have a big all skate? You know, all skate, everybody's forgiven. You know, if you go to the pool, you know, they blow the whistle and adult swims over everybody back in the pool. You know, he's God. Why can't he just forgive? I forgive all the time. I have a friend, um, he's a very famous guy. Um, his, when they had their first child, the doctor came to the delivery room. It was a, a last-minute thing, apparently. Came to the delivery room, had been drinking. Um, delivers this baby, drops the baby on the baby's head. This is years ago. Does severe brain damage to this child. And they raise a, a severely brain-damaged child for years and years and years and years. I mean, up to, I believe, late 20s. And they forgave that doctor. And I've heard, I've heard them talk about, and, and there's no anger... They forgave the doctor. Now, I'm telling you, if humanly a person can forgive that kind of sin and, and, you know, conscious kind of thing, why can't God in heaven who created us, why can't he say, I forgive you, I forgive you? Why did Jesus have to die for our sins? 
That's the question I want us to answer this morning. Because it's a very, very, very important question. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you've heard Jesus died for your sins. Today, we're going to open this thing up and look way deep on the inside. If you're here this morning and you've been a Christian all your life, and your answer is, well, Jesus died for our sins because they're sinners and somebody had to pay, you need to pay close attention because there's more to it than that. And as a Christian, you need to be able to explain this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to go down here and get some water. Thanks. You knew that was coming, didn't you? I should just bring it up here. Romans chapter 3. A very important passage of Scripture, but not an easy one. It contains one of the most popular verses in the Bible, but it's this popular verse in the Bible is sandwiched between some heavy, heavy theological stuff. So today we're going to do major league Bible study. So I hope you have your Bible, or you might get lost in the weeds as we go along, and I want you to be able to follow along. So Romans chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse 21. Verse 21, we're going to creepy crawl through this thing, and we're going to sneak up on the answer to the question, why did Jesus have to die? Why, would, had, why did there have to be a death for sin. Why can't God just forgive like you and I forgive all the time? Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Here we go. But now, this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing some Christians in Rome years ago. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. Now, let me tell you what that means as we go along. A righteousness, righteousness in this passage, as we're going to see this morning, means a righteous standing with God. A righteous standing with God. In fact, I just wrote that in on my Bible. A righteous standing with God. And what he's saying is this. God has revealed a new way to have a righteous standing with God. Up until this time, every world religion said to have a right standing with God, you had to keep certain rules. Every major world religion believes that. They still teach that. In fact, you grew up in some forms of Christianity maybe that teach that. To have a right standing with God, you've got to keep a lot of rules. And Paul says, surprise, good news, there is now a new approach to God that does not entail keeping a whole lot of rules. So he elaborates on that. A righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testified. In other words, he said the prophets in the Old Testament pointed toward this. Okay, hang with me. Verse 22. This righteousness, or this righteous standing, is from God. And it comes through faith... Not performance. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So this is a brand new thing. He says you can have a right standing with God to where you and God can be face to face. Nothing between you. And you can have this right standing with God. And it has nothing to do with your performance. It has nothing to do with what you do. It's not through the law. It's not through activity. It's a whole other way around. It's through a person. It's through Jesus Christ. And the way that you have a right standing with God through Jesus Christ, he says, is through Faith, not doing, but believing. Okay, keep going. And then we get to this famous verse. Comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. In other words, not all who perform well, not all who are good, not all who can get their act together, not all who can please God, but to all who believe. And then look what, here, this is, here we go. There is no difference for all have what? Good, you're with me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
He says the good news is, back when you had to keep the rules, some people were, were pretty good rule keepers and some people weren't very good rule keepers. But in this new system, it doesn't matter who are the good performers and the bad performers because everybody gets in the same way because everybody has sinned. Now let me talk about this verse a little bit because it's an important verse and it's a popular verse and it sets us up for answering the question, why did Jesus have to die? When he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there's two different verb tenses. Let me kind of tease it out a little bit. What he's saying is this. Somewhere in your past, you sinned. And consequently, now in this present time, you fall short or you don't measure up to God's standards or requirements. That somewhere in the past, you missed the mark. And consequently, today, you can't live up to God's, uh, you can't measure up to God's standard. Um, let's illustrate it this way. Let's assume that you were going to be in an archery contest. And in order to get to the next level of the competition, you had to shoot four bullseyes in a row. So you take out your arrow, you pull back, you aim, you let go, and you miss the bullseye. Well, it doesn't matter that you're going to hit the next three in the bullseye. It doesn't matter that you get the next three perfect. You missed the first one, so the next three don't make up for the last one. In fact, you could shoot five in a row, or six in a row, or seven in a row. It doesn't matter. You missed the first one, and you had to get those four in the bullseye. Well, that's a picture of falling short of sin. That somewhere in my past and somewhere in your past, we messed up. We we displeased God. And consequently, because the standard is perfection, it doesn't matter how perfect you are from this point on. There's no way you can go back and make up for the fact that you missed the target and missed the bullseye the first time. So he said, somewhere in your past and my past, we missed the bullseye. Consequently, we fall short of the glory. The word glory means splendor or the majesty of God. So all of us are in the same boat. Then he goes on, gets closer. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here we go. And are justified. The word justified means made righteous or given a righteous standing with God. And we're justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, this, these are verses that you read and go, whew, let's just, uh, you know, let's go back to Genesis. That was fun. You know, what, you know, what is, you know, what's this all about? So let me kind of explain this. So we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. And he says this, but we're justified or made righteous freely. Would you say that word with me? Freely. How are you made righteous? Say it. Freely. In other words, it's a gift that you become, you get a right standing with God. I mean, you can go toe-to-toe, face-to-face with God. And, and the thing that makes you able to do that is something that God gives you freely. Say it with me one more time. Freely. But here's the contrast. Freely through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, the word redemption means, you know what a redemption is. A redemption is if you have a little coupon, and Louis talked about this a few weeks ago, you take it somewhere and you redeem it. And I'm going to give you the coupon, and you're going to give me something in exchange. And I'm redeeming this coupon. Or if you redeem a, a gift certificate, you take the gift certificate and you redeem it. You hand it to them, they give you a gift. So here's the picture. That we get a free gift. But as you know, if you've ever given a, a free gift, um, the gift costs somebody something, right? I mean, when you give a gift at Christmas, it, it's free to the person you're giving it to, but it costs you something. Well, just as God freely gives us a right standing with him, it cost him something. And this is where we're kind of getting up to this point of why did Jesus die? We're getting there pretty quick. Here's what he said. In order for you to have the free gift of salvation, Jesus had to pay for that. Or God had to pay for that. And the way he paid for that was through the death 
of His Son. Whenever he talks, whenever you read the word redemption in the New Testament, it's talking about the fact that Jesus had to die. Okay, we're getting close. Verse 24. And are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, here we go. God presented Him, Him is Jesus, God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He says, in the way that we got this switcheroo where, you know, God gives you something for free, but it cost him something, is that Jesus died on the cross. That's what it means when he says the atonement through faith in his blood. That Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for sins. We learned that in Sunday school. He paid the price for our sins. He died for our sins. And we're freely given this gift of salvation. And he uses the word atonement. Do you know what atonement means? Atonement means to cover something. That his blood, the Bible says, covers our sin. And whereas we are guilty and deserve eternity apart from God, that the blood of Christ covers our sin and in a sense pays for our sin. Okay. But still we ask the question. I got, you know, I've heard all that before. I understand all that. But why did he, I mean, why did blood have to cover my sin? Why couldn't God just say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Welcome to heaven. Why can't I, if I just go to God and say, God, please forgive me of my sins. Why can't God just forgive us? Why did Jesus have to spill his blood? Why did he die? And here's the answer to this question. And it is so huge. Listen to this, what he says. Verse 25. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Through the faith in his blood. Here we go. He did this. Why did you do this? Why did Jesus have to die? Why the sacrifice thing? Look at this. He did this to demonstrate. Or you could put substantiate. Or you could write authenticate. He did this to substantiate or authenticate or to demonstrate his, that's God's, justice. Because in his forbearance, he had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. Now, this is huge. Let me, let me explain this. this is, I mean, some of you already got it. Some of you are going, that's it? Okay, this is, this is big. God is by nature just. You're glad of that. In fact, everybody that believes in God believes God is just. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you look around the world and say, if you're so just, why don't you squash him? You know, if, if you're so just, why don't you heal her? If you're so just, why don't you fix that? If you're so just, why am I single? If you're so just, why don't I have enough money? If you're so just, why am I struggling? If you're so just, why poverty? Why famine? Why AIDS? Why death? If you're so just, and see that that we have this tension, because I believe God is just, but I look around and, and I think, you know, do something. Prove yourself. Show us that you're just. Show up in circumstances so people would say, Whoa, God is just. And here's the answer. He says, The reason that Jesus had to die is because God is by nature just. And when you have pure justice, that means when there's a sin, when there's an error, when there's a fault, when somebody falls short in a system of pure justice, somebody has to pay. Pure justice doesn't let people off the hook. I can let people off the hook. You can choose to let people off the hook. But pure, you know, unadulterated justice. And God is just. When there's justice, somebody has to pay. And here's the deal. For years and years and years. For years and years and years. Previous to the time that Jesus died. 
you know, God had sent the message into the world that where there's sin, there must be death. I mean, it's all through the Old Testament. And yet nobody died. I mean, Adam and Eve sinned and they didn't die. And their sons and daughters, they sinned and they didn't die. And, and all, for years and years and years, people sin, flaunt God. You know, they, they throw things up in God's face. They break promises. They just turn their back on God. I mean, people do all these things. And for years and years and years, no penalty. Everybody's fine. And, and you struggle with that because you know people that are just wretched people and they're filthy rich. And it just, you don't get it, right? You think, now come on. You know, I'm a righteous man. I should be wealthy. They should be broke. And everything they touch turns to gold. Where is the justice? And so for years and years and years, people lived and people died and people broke God's laws and they went on and as if nothing happened. And for years and years and years, there seemed to be no justice. And people could say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're such a just God, why isn't sin being punished? And God said, because of my mercy, I've waited. Listen to this. But because I'm just. Because I, because I'm pure justice and because I'm pure justice, somebody has to pay. So consequently, I sent Jesus into this world to pay for your sins, to validate, to substantiate, to authenticate the fact that I am a just God. And yes, in my mercy, I could overlook sin for a while. But because I'm just, this is big, because I'm just, eventually, somebody has to pay. I can't just let you off the hook. You can let people off the hook. You can say, I forgive and just let the sin go unpunished. But I am a just God. It is contrary to my nature. I'm not even able to do so. But to validate and to demonstrate that I am a just God, somebody had to pay. And so I sent my son to pay for sin, to authenticate my justice. Isn't that amazing? Do you know why Jesus died? Because God is just. You ever doubt God's justice? Don't look at your circumstances. You look at the cross. That your heavenly father is so committed to justice. Your heavenly father is so committed to wrongs being paid for. For sin being dealt with. For debts being paid. That he sent his son to make sure that all of that was taken care of. Now it gets even better. Look what he says. He repeats himself. He says, verse, um, end of verse 25. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. So up until the time of Christ, no sin had been punished. God just sort of let it go. Hey, God, where's your justice? God's going, just hold on, just hold on. It's going to be taken care of. Verse 26. He did it. In other words, he allowed Christ to be, die and to be sacrificed. He did it to demonstrate. Here's the word again. To demonstrate or authenticate or substantiate his justice at the present time. And this is huge. So to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, this is unbelievable. See, God says, look, I'm both merciful. I'm a God of grace and I'm a God of justice. In my mercy, I let it go for a while. In my justice, eventually somebody's got to pay. This is great. But in my grace, I've decided to allow my son to pay for what you did. In my mercy, I just let it go for a while. In my justice, somebody's got to pay. In my grace, I decided to allow my son to pay. For what you did. And the reason he had to die is because your sin deserves death. 
And because I'm just, I can't just let it go. Because I'm just, I can't say, well, I forgive you, no big deal, it's all patched up. You can do that because you're not just. But I am justice personified. And somebody had to pay. This is awesome. But I am just and I am the justifier. That in my justice, somebody had to pay. But in and because of my grace, I decided to pay the price myself on your behalf. Jesus had to die because God is a God of justice. I'm going to give you three statements. Write these down or you can, we're going to put them on the screen. This sort of sums it up. Then I'm going to answer another tough question. Here it is. Why did Jesus die? Because of his mercy. He delayed payment. For years and years and years, sin wasn't punished. Number two, because of his justice, he demanded payment. Somebody had to pay. Number three, because of his grace, he made the payment. Isn't that incredible? See, that makes me, makes me want to just fall down or, or you know, stand up and sing that song again. Amazing love. Now, here's the other question. and Here's the, here's the tough one. Again, let's be intellectually honest and let's ask this question. Okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me that my sin is so bad it deserves death? Now, Sandra and I had a discussion about this. I said, come on, let's, let's take Sunday school and set it aside. Let's just look at it intellectually. Think of, I said, Sandra, think of all the bad things you've done. You know, that took her about 30 seconds, okay? I said, let me think of all the bad things, and we don't have time for that. So, you know, we've got all of our sins in a bucket. And I'm saying, now, come on, look at my sin. Look at it, look at it real good. You mean to tell me my sin in God's justice, in order to be just, that my sin earned me death? That my sin earned me eternal separation? The fact is, every sin that I've ever committed in my life, and I've been, you know, relatively speaking, pretty good guy. I mean, you may be an exception. But relatively speaking, all my public sins, I've already been forgiven for by all the people that I hurt. I've gone to, I mean, dozens and dozens of people throughout my life and said, will you please forgive me? They said yes. And everybody I've gone to says, I forgive you. So I'm thinking, hey, my sins weren't even bad enough to ever be put in jail in a human system, okay? Uh, you know, I've never spent time in prison. I, I've never even had to pay some huge legal fine. How in the world can my sin in, in this human, evil, depraved system, my sin hasn't earned me much negative, many negative consequences. How in the world do you tell me that my little bit, little drop in the bucket sin could earn me eternal death and go into hell? That, I just don't get it. I said, Sandra, let's look at our sin. Come on. Explain that to me. See, you need to ask the same question. Because we're saying God is just, therefore sin has to be paid for. And we look at our sin and go, but I'm not that bad. I mean, I'm bad. You know, I've sinned. You know, I, granted, I, I've ticked God off. But have I, have I sinned so bad that someone must die for my sin? When everybody I've ever confessed it to simply said, hey, I understand. I got, you know, I forgive you. And see, and here's the catch, and here's the rub, and here's the thing that separates some of us today in our belief system. You see, our inability to grasp the holiness and the purity and the awesomeness and the magnificence of God, our inability to even grasp that or understand that, leaves us in a, in a place where we underestimate the significance of our sin. Because I look at the significance of my sin in the context of all of your sin, and I'm sort of in the middle. Or I'm maybe even toward the good, you might think. Or I may be toward the bad if we look at, you know, Billy Graham and Mother Tracy and do, you know, Louie's whole deal. 
But you see, my sin isn't, my sin, from God's perspective, He doesn't look at my sin in the context of your sin. He looks at my sin in the context of His incredible holiness. And as you read the Bible, this comes clear. That my little bitty drop in the bucket, hey, what's the big deal sin? Against the backdrop of God's holiness and purity is the kind of sin that earned me and earns for you eternal separation. You say, well, how come I don't understand it? I had something happen the other day that I think helps me understand this. This may not help you, but it was like an eye-opener for me. Last fall, I came out to my car in the garage, and it looked like somebody had taken a stick and scribbled on the hood of my car in like three or four different places. You can go out there and look. I mean, like, not like, ooh, there's a line. I mean, like, (laughs) all over the hood of my car. Now... That something similar had happened a few months before that. One little line, and I had talked to Garrett, and Garrett said, I cannot tell a lie. I scratched your car with a stick. So when I see, you know, scribble, scrabble all over the hood of the car, I'm thinking, Garrett. So I pulled Garrett, and he said, Dad. He said, I didn't do it. He said, Allie did it. Okay, so I go get Allie. Now, Allie's two at the time. Now, you get the picture, okay? I am furious, okay? I just had the hood repainted because a big dent, and I had to take it over $400. It's like perfect now, and now they're like all over the hood. So I am ticked how much money, and the inconvenience, you got to take your car, you got to get an estimate, then you got to come back a week later, then you leave your car, then you got to rent a car, then you got to wait for the car until you rent. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just awful. So I'm just, so here's Allie, here's two year old Allie. Now you tell me. She's looking at the scratch, and I'm, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, how do I communicate to a two-year-old the significance of what she's done? Allie, it's going to cost $400. <laughs> I've got to go get an estimate, and I'm going to miss work, then I've got to take it back, and then they're going to keep it for a week, and then it's probably not going to be right, because I always find something wrong with everything. Then they're going to have it another week, and I'm going to rent a car, then they're going to try to make me buy, get insurance on the car, and I want insurance on the car, and it goes round and round and round. Do you understand what you've done? Is it possible for me to explain that to a two-year-old? Yes or no? No. Can she do anything about it? No. Does it make any sense to say, and you're going to pay? 400 bucks. I mean, she doesn't even get an allowance. She doesn't have any money. How could she come up with $400? When would it ever? You know, you know what I had to just do? I just had to say, Allie, please don't scratch on the hood of my car anymore with a stick. That's all I could do. You know what she said? Yes, so daddy. And then she gave me a hug. This is what I think. I think our sin, we look at our sin like holding a stick going, okay, you know, all I did was scrubble a little bit on the hood of the car. And God in heaven's going, how, how do I even illustrate, explain? How, how could they, they, they can't even understand. They can't know. There's no way to illustrate it or explain it. The best I can do is to say, okay, don't do that anymore. Okay? Yeah, you see the consequences down here, but I can't even explain. I just just don't, don't do that anymore, okay? And I'm not going to ask you to pay because you couldn't pay anyway. I'll pay. Just don't do that anymore, okay? You know what it's like? 
We're like red men that live in a red world. And everything around us is red. It's just different shades of red. And if you're really good, you have lighter red. And if you're really bad, you have darker red. But it's just all red. Now, how do you explain this world to a person that lives in that world? You can't explain it. You can see, we say, the glory of God. And we think, as big as we can think. We say, the holiness of God. And we think, as holy as possibly we can think. We think as light a shade of red as we can think. Don't we? Let me tell you something amazing. In the Bible, there are several occasions, let me hit three real quick there, where good men, good men, not just your average guy, good men. I'm talking about Moses, good man, Isaiah, good man, John. I mean, these people wrote books of the Bible. These are good men. These men were exposed to just a glimpse of God's glory. And do you know what they did? The Bible says they fell down on their face and they couldn't even look up. Isaiah said, I am an unclean man with unclean lips. I want to go, you're not unclean lips. You get to write the book of the Bible. You know, you're, in a good, you're a good guy. You get to write a book. He says, oh. in light of what I just saw, I am an unclean man with unclean lips. Moses, a little piece of God's glory passed over and he hid in a rock lest it kill him. John, now John hung out with Jesus. I mean, they're campfire buddies, they're fishing buddies, they're walk along the road buddies. I mean, he knew John and he knew Jesus. And in the end times, he has a revelation from God. And Jesus, I mean, his friend Jesus shows up in his glory. And John is laid out on the ground with his face down. And you want to say, John, come on, it's just Jesus. It's your buddy, Jesus. But I've never seen him in his glory. And you see, my little sin that I think, I don't have to die for my sin. It's because I live in a red world and I'm a red person. I just know shades of red. But this is how God sees it. And it's stark, stark contrast. And because I'm a God of grace, and I'm because, because I'm a God of mercy, I could let it go for a while. Because I'm a God of justice, somebody has to pay. And I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to you. It's like a scratch on the hood of a car to a two-year-old. But I'm telling you, somebody has to pay. And because I'm just, somebody has to pay. But because I'm a God of grace, I'm going to pay. Is that incredible or what? Because of His mercy... He lets you go for a while. Because of his justice, somebody's got to pay. Because of his grace, he's willing to pay the price for you. See, some of you this morning, um, this is your whole orientation. Some of us this morning try as much as we can to imagine that world, but, you know, we're, we're just locked in. Some of you this morning have not yet received the free gift of salvation. And let me tell you what's going to happen to you, okay? And I'm not trying to scare you. This isn't like oogie-boogie stories, you know, and dying in the fire. And, you know, here's, here's, the, here's the deal. You see, Jesus is going to come back. And next time he comes back, he's not coming as a Savior. Guess what he's coming as? He's not coming in mercy. He's not coming in grace. He's coming as a judge. Now, why would Jesus come as a judge? Because God is a God of justice and at some point, everything has to be paid for. He can't get around that. It's his nature. And next time Jesus comes, he's coming as the judge. And everybody has to give an account for their life. 
And if you're a Christian, that is, if you have received the free gift of salvation, guess what? When it comes your time to be judged, you don't have to pay for your sin because in God's grace, he already paid for them and you accepted that gift. But if you're not a Christian, that is, you've not received the free gift of salvation and he's not going to force it on you. If you've not received the free gift of salvation, you have to pay for your sin. And you're like Allie. You're bankrupt. And you can't pay. There's just not enough of whatever you need to pay. It's impossible. And the reason we do church is because we want you, this is the bottom line, we just want you to receive something for free. You don't even have to give any money in the offering. We don't even card you when you come in. And ch- we just want you, you know, we want you to see yourself like this, in need of a Savior. And to simply receive freely the gift of God, the gift of salvation from a God, listen, who in his mercy has been patient with you. But a God who in his justice demands payment from you. But a God who in his grace is willing to make the payment for you if you'll just receive. This morning, we're going to give you a chance to do that. You've been coming for several weeks and you're saying... I'm there, I got it, I'm ready to do this deal, I'm ready. Today we're going to give you a chance to do that. This is your first time, or you've just come a couple times, you're still not there. While I'm praying, I want you to pray that God will get you there quick. This morning, we're going to ask those of you who've never become a Christian before to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and to accept freely this gift of salvation. I'm going to pray a prayer. Praying this prayer won't make you a Christian. The prayer is simply a way to say to God, I believe that Jesus is the Savior and I accept Him as my Savior. So I'm just going to give you some words, but you can use your own. And I'd like for you right now to bow with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, here's a perfect opportunity. And you just say these words to, in your heart, or you say them out loud if you want. Or you can change the words, but this is what you pray. You say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that in your mercy you've been patient with me. I believe that somebody's got to pay for my sin. I believe that I can't. And I believe that Jesus did. And right now, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I accept Him as the payment for my sin. I'm putting all my trust in what He did. I'm no longer trusting And what I can do. Thank you for receiving me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for making it so clear. Thank you for the word pictures. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your justice. But thank you most of all for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.